Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Broadcasting from the Annie Up Studios, it's the longest-running poker podcast for the everyday poker player with your host, Joe Scales. Hello, A-Team. It's Friday, April 14th. That means the Electric City series has started. I think today is Flight 1B for the Mystery Brownie. So, if you're listening to this while you're playing, I hope you win all the big pots and you only lose the small ones. <laughs> I'll be heading up there this weekend. Then it's off to Chicago to play in the Camp One Step Charity Tournament on Wednesday and back to Schenectady to play the main event there. There are a few of you that bought a piece of me in that and I promise to play my best for you. I said I would sell 60% and you guys took 45 so... Technically, there's still 15% available if anyone wants to grab that at the last minute. Mostly, though, I'm really looking forward to meeting you guys and getting the opportunity to play some poker with some of the A-team. Mike made it back this week to join me on Table Talk, but he hands his mic off to a special guest. Tom Wheaton joins me to talk about the Dreamers poker documentary that premieres tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. I'll have a link to their YouTube channel in the description because you need to check that out. They're having a watch party there during the premiere, and a lot of the players will be in the chat during that time. One last thing. I added a form to the magazine and on the website so that you can have the magazine delivered to your email each month. Just go to AnnieUpMagazine.com and fill that out. If you're looking for this month's edition to the magazine, it's under the magazine link at the top of the page. Alright, that's all I have, so... Let's get on with the show. Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table with Table Talk. We are back around the poker table again this week. And uh, Mike, you decided to join us this week. (laughs) Hey, Joe. Yes. If I start squeaking... Y'all can laugh all you want because everybody else has. You know how you wake up with that dusting of snow on your vehicles in the winter? Oh, yeah. Well, we, we've been waking up with an eighth of an inch of yellow yep. <laughs> on everything, including uh, the before trails, everything. But uh, it kicked my allergies in. And I ended up with 10 days of bronchitis. And still, at the, I'm at the end of it. Two, two weeks of bronchitis and a sinus infection, sinusitis, and it gave me laryngitis. I couldn't even speak for about five days. So you ought to see me at work. You know, I'm a nurse at work, and I'm sign language to people in country sign language because that's the only sign language I know. And, and I could, <laughs> when I, you know, to ask people, I couldn't talk in my voice. The only thing I could get was squeaks and, hey, how are y'all doing out there? That's what it's, that's what I sounded like. So yeah, the the, the antibiotics are working, my friend, and we're here. Uh, there's a couple of things, Joe. If uh, before I know you got some, a couple of things you really want to talk about, and I do too. On the poll question that we gave them before I left. Yeah. Can I just hit that up real quick? Yeah, I saved it for when you got back. So. Awesome. 
you know, and the question was, should I fold it or should I play it? Right. Right. It was ace queen of hearts, right? Yes. Ace queen of hearts. It was heads up at the end of the match. And both of us were had about the same amount of money. You had a little bit less than a blind over them, I think is what we had said. Yep. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, it looks like the way Joe was telling me, 96% of y'all said, play that hand. Absolutely. And as well, they should. Yes. But 4% of them said, huh, don't play that hand. But, you know, when you're heads up and you've been playing for a while and you're in heads up mode and, and you're getting tired and cranky and you know you both of you will get paid, then ace queen and somebody shoves and the way he shoved, you know, the, the cards were dealt. I didn't even have time to reach down and look at my cards and he hollered all in. So I had to look and I went all in. So I, the guys, I called him. Yeah. My ace queen. Guess what he turned over? I, I don't know. I've been dying to know. Seven five offsuit. Help me here, folks. Help me. Seven five offsuit. I mean, in that particular case, you're like a 60 something percent favorite. Uh, but I mean, let's say you had, uh, I don't know, let's say you had a big card and a little card, right? Then that percentage is only like 50 something percent and, and maybe you fold. So he has some fold equity there, but I, I'm a little surprised at how fast he shoved, but not completely out of line. I stood up and Ray Bank said, we're going to the bank tonight. <laughs> so here come the flop. You ready for it? It was a rainbow flop. Okay. Four, six, three. <laughs> With the four, six, three, I've got two hearts in the hole and there's one on the board. We've got two cards left. I mean, it would be a miracle for me to be able to win this. Yeah. So, you know, that, that but that's what happened. He beat me with a 7-5 offsuit. And you 4%, you ought to save your money and uh, live to see the next hand. I didn't. Well, I'm not. so anyways, that, I'm not complaining. I played poker. He played poker. You can't be results-oriented on that. Like, you made the right play, and so you just have to live with it. Oh, yeah. I've never been results-oriented in this game. I play this game for fun. If I was playing it to, to get rich, I sure enough wouldn't be playing in these little hundred, two, three hundred dollar games, and right, that just wouldn't happen. Speaking of playing these games, yep. did you know that April nineteenth is National Poker Day? National Poker Day. Now you got to get on, man. Y'all got to get in the game on that day. It's a it, come on, guys. It's the nineteenth. Right. It's a Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, Who puts a National Poker Day on a Wednesday? <laughs> it's probably always the 19th is my guess, but I don't know that for sure. Listen, if you don't do anything else, 18, go online, even if it's on a Facebook or Zynga, whatever y'all got, and just play one hand of poker that day. Yep. Just so you can say, you know, I played poker on National Poker Day. I've got to figure out how to do it because I'm going to be on a plane from New York to Chicago. So... Yeah, but it's not going to be all day. You got 24 hours. That's fair. To to play at hand. If nothing else, you can call me and I'll get on the computer and tell you what's coming out. <laughs> okay, so that one there. Now, I do not personally have a poll question to throw back out there this week because I know you got a guest that you want to introduce here in a little bit, and I'm yeah. looking so forward to this. One thing I'd like to holler at real fast, though, I'm going to throw this out there, and it and it's a slogan that, that you might be able to use here. We made it up. We'll, co we'll copyright it as of now. <laughs> Poker players bet on better with an exclamation mark. I like it, actually. 
Bet on better. And to me, guys, let me tell you where I'm going with this. Bet on better. Uh, life-changing events. We'll be more talking to y'all about that more in the upcoming uh, month. Before I go, my wife's been telling me jokes for the last while. Let me give you the, the joke for today. And this is G-rated. Do you know the difference between roast beef and pea soup? No. Anybody can roast a beef. <laughs> it took me a minute, man, and all of a sudden. Now, can you imagine in my, you know, in my professional job that I have outside of this? Right now, I'm a nurse, right? Yeah. Can you imagine me telling that at work? Because <laughs> we're always talking about somebody. Pee it in the cup. Do this. Do that. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, I want to publicly thank Elle for taking over for me last week. Yes. I was impressed. She did a great job, didn't she? Yes, she did. I called her up once I was able to talk, and I just told her that, that, yeah, she did a really good job. I was impressed. She's going to beat you up there a couple times, too, buddy. I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> she was fun to listen to. Well, I think you watched you watched the trailer for this documentary coming up, right? Holy cow, The Dreamers, yes. Yeah, and Tom Wheaton, he's put this together. He has a company called, well, he has two companies, one Above the Felt and Faded Spade. He's a faded spade. That's the cards. Yeah, the cards. They're the official cards of the... World Poker Tour, aren't they? Yeah, yep. Wow. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's joining me, and we're going to talk about this documentary, the Dreamers documentary. This Friday. Yep. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Yep. Uh, it's a YouTube channel, right? Yep, you just go to uh, the Above the Felt YouTube channel and uh, it'll be there. But I'm looking forward to this. I am too. I'm so excited about it. I'm looking forward to talking to Tom as well. I am. And I'm glad to be able to shut up now and give my mic over to him. Okay. And guys, I mean, me and Joe will get back on a uh, poll question for you later. Joe, enjoy talking to Tom and uh, tell him I said hello and, uh, and I'm looking forward to meeting him. Okay. And I'll, I'll be uh, talking to you Friday night when we're watching the show. That's right. Talk to you later, Mike. All right. Like we said, we have a special guest on Table Talk this week. Uh, Tom Wheaton joins us to talk about his card brand, Faded Spade, about the Dreamers documentary that's coming up with Above the Felt. We're actually recording this a few days prior to the documentary, but it's going to, the documentary will drop at 7 p.m. on April 14th, which is when this episode of the podcast will come out. Tom, I know you, you're you super busy with getting things ready for this, but thanks for taking some time to talk with me. Yeah, man. And thanks for having me, Joe. And love what you're doing with Annie Up. And I know you're making like an entire new innovative kind of magazine. And uh, of course, the podcast is great. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. It, it, I mean, it means a lot. I know, you know, you've got so much that you're working on. And so the fact that you've even been able to check it out is it means a lot. So I appreciate that. Let's we'll get to the documentary in a minute, but let's start with you a little bit. For those that are not familiar with Tom, your card brand, Faded Spade, it's it's become super popular with a lot of poker rooms, but it's also now the official card brand for the WPT. But uh, how did how did we get from here to there? Kind of start with your poker beginnings and then take us to that. Yeah, man. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll try and be brief, but at least give some kind of like uh, depth. Sure. So I was in the corporate world for like 15 years right out of college. So that was my kind of career. It was marketing, business development, advertising, digital. 
just growing throughout different industries like hotel and resort and healthcare and software as a service. But the whole time that was happening, you know, what I did as my main passion was play poker. So I was like part-timer. I'd play two, five, five, five cash games. I had an hourly rate. It's what I did outside of growing my career at the time. Sure. And it came a point in my career and after I had a family where like, I kind of wanted to stop living other people's dreams and just kind of go after my own stuff. I get that completely. <laughs> I'm sure you can relate with that, right? <laughs> yeah. And and it's a big risk, you know, when you have a family and and source of income helps provide for the family, obviously. And right. I wound up losing uh, one of my corporate executive jobs. And it was a good point in time for me to say, you know what, if I'm going to take a risk on building my own business, like now's the time. I was 37 at the time. I'm 43 now. And I had this idea for Faded Spade as a company that could kind of disrupt the playing card industry, a need-based product that had some issues in the industry at that time. Right. I felt like if we could create a brand that resonated with today's players and find the right partners, it could win on the e-commerce side and also potentially the B2B poker room slash casino side. And uh, through a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of failure, we somehow developed the right partnerships. Obviously, I believe they're the best cards in the business. And we have gone from you know a small company in 2017 with the help of being the preferred card of the World Poker Tour, which offered so much access to us, to now being a leading brand in the industry with you know some of the biggest poker rooms in the world using our cards and a healthy e-commerce business. And I just couldn't be more proud of the team that is really driving that business forward now. Yeah. And for those that don't know, I mean, the difference in the quality of the card is night and day, really. And the artwork is updated. I just, I really like them. So kudos on that. How did that kind of lead to the next step, which would be above the felt? Yeah. Well, through that business, I got back into playing poker again. I had not played poker for a few years like I had been, you know, earlier in my career because, you know, the family was growing and that was the priority. But when I started these businesses, I'm like, oh man, what a great excuse to get back into poker again. (laughs) And instead of transitioning from my cash games, I transitioned to tournaments. And through that transition to tournaments, I wound up like taking a risk playing my first 10K at the Aria with the WPT. And I wanted it to be almost like a marketing vehicle, right? Just so people knew that the guy that owned this brand was a poker player. Right. And I wound up being very fortunate, ran deep, cashed. And when I did that, it was weird. Like people started to kind of recognize the brand a lot more across the industry. I had started developing relationships with players and I started doing that like six or seven or eight times a year. And through that community building and playing, I got to know so many of like the industry's best and brightest players. And the same thing in terms of partnerships with the brand. I, I got to know like, you know, people like Darren Elias and Matt Berkey and Jamie Kerstetter and, and Moneymaker, who were the core four of Above the Felt, which was really spawned through those relationships. And I started just helping some of these folks out behind the scenes when they would get like appearance deals or endorsement opportunities because so much of that was my corporate background. Right. And at some point, I just asked myself, like, you know what? We have these relationships. Faded Spade is growing. And what's my next play for a business? Because I felt like I had to diversify after the pandemic. And I said, you know what? It just makes sense to own a marketing and talent agency. So we created <laughs> Above the Felt, made it poker specific. And the whole goal was to help grow today's players, kind of promote them, um, put them on a pedestal in the industry and, and even get some exposure outside the industry, much like there was during the boom era. Yeah. And since we started that two years ago, you know, 
thankfully that's taken off. It's exceeded everyone's expectations. And that's really kind of what spawned this whole poker documentary. Well, it's just a side note for just a minute, because one of the things that has been kind of a common theme when I've talked to the ambassadors across the country, we've seen just record numbers in a lot of poker tournaments. Have, have you noticed that on all aspects of poker from the high stakes to mid stakes, you know, we're for the everyday poker player. So most of what I'm reporting on is, is in that medium range. And so is it kind of the same at the higher stakes or what do you see in there? What's funny about that is I think subconsciously, maybe part of my reason for starting above the felt as a marketing and talent agency was also because I've kind of felt like there was a second poker boom coming. Yeah. And it was a good time to start a marketing and talent agency because that would lead to more business from a marketing services standpoint and would lead to more business for the talent in terms of ambassadorships, sponsorships, endorsements, appearances, et cetera. Right. That makes sense. And that's, you're right. So like, I think this whole kind of second poker boom coming right now from a live standpoint has a lot to do with content. I think it has a lot to do with so many of the poker content creators who are out there live streaming, creating vlogs, bringing new people into the game who can kind of vicariously live through them. Right. Um, like Rampage, who started at 1-3, you know, three years yeah. ago, and now somehow he's winning 25K high rollers, right? But it's like, and I say somehow, not because he doesn't hasn't earned it and he's a great player, somehow because it's very rare for someone to go from 1-3 to play a 25K, right? That's just... <laughs> It is. Years. it is. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of this kind of like poker boom is coming from. I think it's very content driven. I think a lot of the bigger brands like World Poker Tour, WSOP, you know, even I would call like the mid-major poker brands as well are doing a phenomenal job in terms of marketing and partnering with casinos and poker rooms to run events. I think that's bringing a lot of players in the game too. So I just think you have this dichotomy of all these great things happening across the industry at once on the live realm. That's bringing more people into the game and maybe even like re-engaging people that used to play poker and love poker during the boom era. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, let's transition that into this documentary. So on one hand, you've got the the content that, that these uh, YouTube people like Rampage, you know, they're, they're filming themselves at the table and things like that. But this is kind of, in your words, peeling back that curtain a little bit more even. So tell me a little bit about Dreamers, the poker documentary. And then I want to talk a little bit about, I think you've got a a giveaway that you guys are doing as well. So let's let's yeah. let's talk about the documentary and then we'll get to that. Joe, this has been a labor of love and we never set out to create a documentary. Like I was looking for a way to help further promote the talent and to kind of share their stories mm-hmm. as well as create something fun around like some kind of goal or some kind of poker story. And it just turned out that in December during the World Poker Tour World Championship, everybody was going to be there from the squad. Everyone that was on the team at that time. And I was like, well, here's a cool opportunity to kind of document their journeys in this world championship festival to put them in front of a camera and just kind of get to know them a little bit. And maybe we'll create like one or two, you know, entertaining, informative, semi-promotional poker vlogs. But what happened was an entire story emerged and it's just, it's not that anymore. It became like an actual documentary that's much less promotional, even though it has hints of that in certain, uh, certain segments. Because what happened was truly amazing. You had the whole squad that had successes and failures during the world championship. Early successes, then late failures. Very cool story to see how everyone dealt with that. Then Jamie Kerstetter, one of the biggest female advocates and women in poker advocates in the industry, goes on a run in final tables, the first ever WPT Ladies Championship. Right. Cool story. And then Ethan, like we talked about, playing a second ever 25K high roller, 
goes on an improbable run during that. And we had all of that documented through footage, right? Right. There was this really cool, unique poker story where there was an arc and there was a climax. And I just loved the poker story there. But then after I listened to all the interviews that we did in January, and I I heard the depth of their responses to questions. And I just sat back and said, oh, damn, like this isn't a couple promotional poker vlogs. This is a legit community building, industry building, company building, player building documentary that I think can really like help people outside the industry see what we're really all about through the eyes of these players. And something I hope people in the industry can kind of relate to and appreciate a bit. So once I, I felt that was there, we just decided to embark on investing in creating the documentary. I mean, that's almost like when you're in a tournament, it's kind of a little bit of luck that you had all this come through too. <laughs> oh man, we, we ran hot. Like, yeah. <laughs> for, for all those things to hit, like we just, we went on a content heater, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and it wasn't filmed to be a documentary, right? but somehow it works, right? I mean, is it an Academy Award winning documentary we're going to send to film festivals? No, of course not. But I'm really proud of the quality of it. I'm really proud of the story that it, it tells, not just from a poker story, but just the underlying, you know, like you, like you said, peel back the curtain of our industry. I'm just proud of that. And it was one of those things we just had to do. We had to invest in it. We had to put it together and put it out there and just kind of see what happens. I, I love that story. So it's going to premiere the 14th at 7 p.m. And on that day, there's a giveaway, right? Oh, yeah. To a couple of WPT events. Yeah. 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 So I, I created a couple synergies between both companies where Faded Spade is sponsoring what's called the Poker Dreamer giveaway. And it's kind of a way to give back to those who are supporting the documentary. Basically, you can go to the Above the Felt website. You'll see a page just on the Poker Dreamer giveaway, but you can enter through a submission form. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel, watch the premiere, and we're going to be selecting two people at random to win a $1,100 buy-in entry to the ladies championship this year and an $1,100 entry into the prime championship. And that's just something we wanted to invest in because like, this is all about, as people will see, this is all about kind of all the different reasons why people chase the poker dream, you know, uh, or how it keeps them going. It was just a a theme that unraveled and we want to do the same thing, you know, so for all those who are supporting this and, you know, we said, you know what, let's get back. And at the end of the documentary, we are going to select two random winners from our you know, massive Excel sheet and then announce those in chat afterwards and then also contact the people afterwards. But it's just something, honestly, like we just talked about and said, why don't we do this? This is a nice little alignment. It'll help promote the documentary. It'll help give back to those who are also chasing the dream. And I'm really thrilled with the response so far. And I can't, I can't wait to pick a few winners. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure that it's going to just blow up the day of the documentary release as well. It's I'm super excited to watch it. I think it's going to be really interesting. I love poker content anyway, but just the list of talent that is in this documentary is incredible. Ones that I do, and I'm sure that the listeners do too, follow anyway. So it's just another opportunity to see them. Uh, Yeah, we tried to we tried to at least do a little bit of quote unquote character development. Right. So it's kind of interesting. The first like 27 minutes of the documentary, you're really just getting to know a lot of the people who are starring in it while we kind of set up the poker journey and the other narrative. Right. So like the first 27 minutes, it's that pure documentary. Like (laughs) you're getting to know these people. There's sit down interviews and B-roll, et cetera. And then after that, man, it like takes off. You know, the, the last 60 minutes, I feel like 
just takes off. So with 10 people, it was a real balance to make sure we're giving everybody at least a couple minutes of kind of like origin story without getting too deep. And then also like running into the rest of the actual arc. So I think people will see that like kind of separation. And it was important for us to make sure that, you know, the talent who was involved in it, who they're not getting paid for it, they wanted to do this for the vision, you know, yeah. that at least people can get to know them a little bit on a deeper level. And then down the road, we're going to introduce these people through video in much deeper ways as well. Nice. Well, if you guys have not seen the trailer, I'll have a, a link to it in the show notes as well. But, you know, it's it looks incredible so far. I can't wait. I'm excited. Uh, thank you again for joining me today. We'll talk again, I hope. Yeah, no doubt, man. I appreciate it. Friday, April 14th, the new Above the Felt YouTube, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. It's going to be a watch party, right? So right. a bunch of people from the Above the Felt team will be in chat. We'll be hamming it up and uh, look forward to seeing everybody in there. Great. Thanks a lot, Tom. Thank you, Joe. Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter. Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He joins us each week to say how he would rule on situations that come up in your games, and he's with me again this week. Elliot, it's getting awfully close to Electric City tournament time, so uh, what's the atmosphere like around there? Well, uh, dare I say electric. No, we're really (laughs) looking forward to it. We're setting everything up. We're getting down to the last details and preparation. We're getting a lot of phone traffic, a lot of emails. We're looking forward to a really good event. We should have uh, an excellent crowd here. Ah, it's I'm excited. I'm so excited. We, I mean, we've talked about some of the events that I'm excited about, but that mystery bounty is going to be good. The uh, what is it called? Rivers Rivers, Rivers Revival. Revival. Yeah, that's going to be good. That should be a really fun one. Yeah, I've already had a bunch of players talking to me and trying to figure out how to game it out and and whether they should be super aggressive. I said, no, hang on to the button. Yeah. Go. Yeah, it's true. Well, we've got another interesting call the floor this week. So let's get into this. It's sent in by Colby Payne, who sent in a hand of the week as well. In this hand, it was a three bet pot. Uh, He says, I was on the button with King Queen. Villain was in early position. Flop was Queen nine seven. He bet. I called. Turn was a 10. He bet. I called. River was a four. No flushes. I checked to him and he sort of picked up his cards as if he was about to muck them, holding them higher off the table and a little bit out in front. Said out loud, I just have a nine. You're probably good. And I turned over my cards. Then he put his cards back down on the table and bet three quarter pot. I tank folded and he laughed and showed a bluff. I'm not playing for a ton of money in this game. It's more about bragging rights. Maybe somebody wins 50 to to $100 if you have a good run. However, I feel like if this were a big game, the guy could get in some trouble. What would the ruling be in a casino? Well, Colby, you sent us a real interesting one. I'm glad you, you shared this with us. You got outplayed. I got bad news for you. Uh, you checked to him and he didn't act. He didn't bet. He didn't check. He certainly did something that may seem unsavory, but was rather clever and shrewd and got information from you, you prematurely turned your hand over. He didn't act yet. That betting round was still active and it was on him. And you gave him all the information he needed to then make a bet. You, by assuming his statement inferred or implied a check, thought he did and gave him all the information he needed to steal a pot from you. 
that's still part of the game. And your feeling about how this would happen in bigger games? In bigger games, this happens all the time, and those guys are patted on the back and, and applauded. That's still <laughs> part of the game of poker, especially at the higher levels. This one's kind of on you. You you kind of let them do this to you. All you have to do is ask, are you checking? Yeah, I, I mean, that makes what you're saying makes perfect sense, but it's it's definitely not where I thought you were going to go with it. I for sure thought that this was, when, when I first read it, I for sure thought of it as an angle. But like I said, I mean, what you're saying makes perfect sense. He, he didn't make any action. He never gave up his cards. Yeah. He never ta- he never tapped the table. He didn't move a chip. He didn't turn his cards over. He didn't get rid of his cards. He made a statement about his hand, which in some places is certainly against the rules. And it's against tournament rules, but this is a cash game. But again, he never acted. And then all of a sudden, you turn your cards over. So yeah, live cards and active betting rounds still mean something. And the betting round wasn't over yet. That's true. That's true, Kobe. That... I was with you for a minute, but uh, Elliot has changed my mind. (laughs) Sorry, Colby. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, unless he physically mucked his cards, I can't think of anything that would have actually changed that. Well, at Showdown, which in this situation, Colby, you were not technically at Showdown. The betting round was still active. Right. At Showdown, when you lie about the contents of your cards to get your opponents to discard better hands, that's a form of cheating. That is not what happened in your situation. Right. This was not the showdown. This was still in the middle of the hand. The game of poker is still being played. And you fight it with your words as well as your cards and bets. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I'm sorry, Kobe, but uh, Elliot uh, brings up some good points. And, and uh, yeah, this one's on you, buddy. <laughs> If you guys have another call the floor that you would like Elliot to break down, send it to podcast at anyupmagazine.com. Thanks, Elliot. You're welcome. Let's break it down with Hand of the Week. All right, here we are back with another Hand of the Week with Patrick. Hello, everyone. Patrick, it's baseball season. It is. Uh, you're a Red Sox fan. I am indeed. We are the, some of the worst creatures on the planet. As they, our post, <laughs> what, did, what did my dad and grandfather tell me? Pitiful creatures on the planet because we always think they're going to win every year. And I asked you this the other day, but how's the season going to go? As of right now, we're going to win maybe 65 or 70 games, or we're going to compete for an AL East championship and win 95. There's really going to be no in-between. It's going to depend on how much money we spend. So we'll wait and see. At this point, all we, all we have is the bats and – We'll figure the rest out as we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Well, this hand of the week is sent in by Colby Payne. And Colby has sent in a call the floor along with this. So we'll be doing that with Elliot as well. But he's playing 1-3, no limit. He has 560 in his stack. All right. Says, villain one limps under the gun. Villain two who is a mid-40s reg, which I think it's interesting that he decided to give us the description of Villain 2, but not Villain 1. He raises to $10 on the button. You're in the big blind with Ace of Spades, Queen of Spades. What are you going to do, Patrick? All right. And we're sitting in the big blind, correct? We are the big blind. Yeah. The bet is... $10. $10. It was the... Mid forties reg on the button who made the ten dollar raise. Yeah, ace queen suited spades. Uh, I'm gonna call that bet. Okay. I'm not gonna do anything else with it. I think you know. Last week we were talking about 
with a hand like that, maybe putting in a little bit bigger of a bat to get some of the, the other ones away, you know, your smaller pairs or anything like that. It's not necessarily really my style or maybe more my comfortability as we go, but we're, we're learning on the, on the spot. So I will, uh, I'll call that. That's what I would do. Okay. All right. Colby decided to three bet to 40, hoping to get the under the gun out. The under the gun had limped. Had previously. limped in. That's right. Yep. So villain one and two both call instead. Interesting. Okay. All right, so there's 120 in the pot then. Okay. And the flop is Queen of Clubs, Nine of Hearts, Four of Diamonds. You have Top Pair, Top Kicker, and you're first to act. What do you do with that? So Ace of Clubs comes out, Nine of Hearts, Four of Diamonds, and I'm holding spades of Ace of Queen. So I've got Top Pair, like you said, Top Kicker. I'm probably going to bet, um, and my I'm probably going to do... There's 120 in the pot. 120 in the pot. I'm probably going to do probably 30. Okay. Well, Colby agrees that he should bet, but he bets 60. Okay. So he bets half pot. Okay. Villain one calls. This is where it gets interesting. Villain two attempts to raise, but he doesn't put enough out there for a raise. So it's just a call. Huh. I don't know. He didn't go into detail with that, so I don't know how much he put out there. You know, maybe he just put... Five dollars more, so they were like that. They uh, took that back and then just, yeah. Go. Uh, I I don't know how that went down, but they determined that it had to be just a call. Okay, so that's an extra what sixty sixty one eighty in the pot, right? So you've got three hundred total in the pot. Turn is the ace of diamonds. Hello, top two pair. What now? So at this point, and kind of playing along with Colby, you know, I'm not making someone on you know, aces or kings, you know, maybe they had jacks or kings, I guess. So, you know, kind of playing along with where Colby was at. I mean, he, he went 60 the first time. Uh, I'm probably going to go 100 here. Okay. Well, does the fact that Villain 2 tried to raise in the last one, does that affect your decision at all? Do you think about that? Yes and no. I'm very curious as to why he didn't actually put enough chips in to raise. Then he maybe wasn't raising that much. But, you know, if he's... It does go into an account, but I don't put him on anything that he's got me on right now. Maybe he's got, I guess maybe in my thought process, he's got kings or jacks at that point. So that's kind of where my thought is. Okay. Well, Colby checks. Okay. Villain one bets 100. Okay. Villain two raises to 200. So he got his raise in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He got his raise in. All right. And so his raises apparently are just men raises. So. Okay. He's just doubling the bet. What now? So if I'm Colby and I didn't, so I checked to see what was out there. Villain one, no go. He calls. Villain two got his raise in, but it's a minimum raise to 200. I, I'm i calling. Again, putting them on, you know, a top pair. Or the other thought process is, and at least to be, to be cautious of, is, you know, did he have, does he have pocket nines, pocket fours, and he's got his set. Right. So. I mean, that's immediately where I go is. is, is does he have a set? Yeah. Go. So that trying to bet or trying to raise on the flop makes you kind of wonder there. But I I don't know. I tank for three minutes, says Colby, and villain two calls clock. So the floor comes over and I eventually call 200 with top two pair, but I'm concerned about a set. There we go. All right. Villain one also calls. So with 900 in the pot, the river is... The three of hearts. What now? 
So that doesn't help anybody. At this point, you're still making Villain 2 on a possible set. I think the way that he's played this, and, and I'm probably going to, if I'm Colby in this exact situation, I'm going to check again and see where the betting goes. With the thought process of if the guy's got the set, then he's probably going to come over the top with something big. You know, and we, we tackle that then. So I will probably check. All right. Colby also checks. Villain 1 also checks. And Villain 2 goes all Pushes, in for yeah. 260. Yeah, figured that was coming. Yeah. I mean, that you got to do that no matter what you have at that point. Yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> even if you've got absolute air, you know, if, if you were trying to get there on some kind of, if you were just hoping for a diamond on the river, whatever, yeah, you got to shove there yep. no matter what. So, so he did, he did the right play. What are you going to do? If also it's 260 into 900, that's got to take into, you got to take that into account as well. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I mean, I started out this hand at 560. I mean, my, my chips are dwindling at this point. I'm making him on this. You know, again, it's 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 tough, like, not being in the moment, not seeing it, not seeing how they played other ones uh, with information. But I'm making him on he, – he got a set right out the gate, and he still got me. So I'm not calling this. I'm saving an extra 216 chips and going from there. All right. Colby says, we both call. Villain 1 had one pair, queen 10. So he had a pair of queens. If I may say, that's a terrible call. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Villain one, if you're listening, if you're out there and you remember this hand, it's a bad call. All right. That was a terrible call. <laughs> Villain two had a set of fours. There it is. And I lose. So Colby's question is, is my call on the turn and river a good call or am I up against a set as Villain two is showing strength with turn min raise to 200? My thought process seeing that, I mean, it's nothing's a sure science, but the idea that he went to raise after the flop and then he went to raise after the, or did raise on the turn, I'm probably making him on a set at that point. Yeah. That's a huge bluff or having like, you know, like I said, what I, my thought process early was, you know, maybe he's got kings or jacks, you know, and he's waiting to to get get that that last part of the set. But I mean, he went to raise after the flop. He did raise after the turn. If you've gone that far to see what you've got, and yes, you do get two pair after that, great. But, you know, then three of hearts comes out and no one helps. You know, maybe you, you know, pack up after that. I yeah. don't know where that thought process ranks I, in. This it, is a tough one for me because it's just a min raise, which makes you think it can be one of two things, right? He's just trying to kind of walk you along, yep. you know, walk the dog a little bit. Um, or uh, he's scared too, right? So you have to kind of try and you don't get body language or anything like that when you're, when you're sitting here, but you've got to kind of decide why is it, why are you just men raising at that point? And, you know, even the raise that he was trying to put in on the, on the flop wasn't a big one. So why? Yeah. And it, and let me put it this way too. I mean, if it was significant enough for him to, to, for Colby to mention it, it was definitely a thought in his head when he went to try to raise and didn't. So at least he noticed that one too. So yeah, that's, there's something out there to be, to be said about that one. It's a disgusting spot for sure. Yeah, (laughs) it is. I know, I know I'm going to get some flack from the A team on this one too. Just like the docket too. Yeah. I mean, there's two players betting like this. Odds are at least one of them has a set. I think, I, but people can overplay their queen hands as as we just saw. But. Yeah, there you go. So this is why one three is tough because you've got such a mix of players, you know, and 
you can have somebody that makes an awful call with queen 10, but I still think, I still think that this probably means there's a set out there. Yeah. Um, just because I, very few people at one, three are bluffing with enough frequency to really feel like, you know, if there's two people out there in this hand that one of them doesn't have a set. So, so I probably fold the turn after it goes bet raise and just look for a better spot. So yeah, that's, I, I know, I know everybody's, I'm going to, I'm going to be getting some, some emails and, and messages on this one, but uh, I mean, it, it's going to go back to that conversation we had, I think last week with the pocket twos, where it's like, I know the odds are there because it's just 260. It's 260 into 900. So you're getting <laughs> incredible odds yeah. to make a call. But you just have to also take into account that of who you're playing, right? Yeah. I, I definitely would not fault anybody for... I'm not going on any rants or anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't fault anybody for a call in this spot. And I don't know, you know where the chips are, but the only other saving grace is maybe you go in um, all in over the top and get the other player to call and take some of their chips. Yeah. I, I don't know what the, ch- you know, what the stack sizes are, I, if they have more or less or whatever, but if that's an option, maybe you can make some money back that way. Yeah. But that's, that's the only saving grace there. But uh, yeah, that's a gross spot. That's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, not played terribly wrong by any, you know, any matter of, of it, but definitely a tough spot to be in. Yeah, it's definitely you can you can make that call all day. So I guess you can call that a cooler. But anything else you want to add on that one, Patrick? Tough spot to be in. Hopefully, the rest of his uh, night went well. All right. Well, if you have a hand that you'd like Patrick and I to break down, send it to podcast at anyupmagazine dot com. All right. You guys have a good week. Go socks. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, how are you running? Mark Bremen has been a poker coach for over 15 years. He has been an anti-up lead columnist for years as well. Now he's joining me here to talk a little strategy. Mark, I know you've been playing the Madness Cup over at uh, advancedpokertraining.com. So how you running? Hey, Joe, how you doing? Um, I'm doing great. I'm out of uh, more than 500 players. I'm in the final four and it's a single elimination and uh, that's exciting. Yeah, congratulations. And uh, just to qualify that, that's on advancedpokertraining.com, and I think they're an amazing site for training. They're, they're, not a, they're not a gaming site. They're a poker training site. Right. Good. I'm glad you clarified that, too. You've been on that site for a while, right? Yeah. Steve Blay and uh, his brother Alan, yeah, they, they run a good ship. Yeah. For your listeners who aren't familiar with it, you can set up anything you want. You could like set up your, let's say you, have, you, you don't like the way you're playing the blinds or you want to know how you're playing your blinds. You can set up the same, you know, a, a big blind situation against four players with a raise on the button and you can replay the same thing over and over and over again. And it's a great way to find leaks and plug them. And the stronger you are, the more subtle your leaks are. So it's just an amazing site. And, and the Madness Cup is sort of like duplicate bridge. It's duplicate poker. I'm playing against you, but you don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what you're doing. We're on completely different tables. 
and I'm playing against eight robots, you're playing against eight bots, and we're getting the exact same cards, and we're playing 100 hands, and whoever accrues or loses less chips, accrues more chips or loses less chips. So part of what you talked about there was being able to play from any spot, so you can practice play so many hands, and this is separate from the Madness Cup, but being able to play from the big blind or play from the small blind or something like that. Do you use that a lot with your students? Oh, absolutely. Although I will say that 90% of what I do when I'm coaching is review hands that are played by the students. Okay. And I'd like to add that looking at other people's hands that are on YouTube and stuff could be Mm -hmm. a big leak. Um, yeah. because uh, there's sort of like a reality fiction because it got posted on YouTube. It's like, wow, watch, you know, a guy flop a set of queens and go, you know, go up and smoke. And that's like, you know, <laughs> I mean, just sort of change it. You, you don't want to, you want to build your poker brain. And the best way to do that is when you're playing cash or tournament, try to remember four hands for me and we'll go over those four hands. And I'd like to add one little thing here. When somebody gets knocked out of a tournament, and I coach tournament and cash, I enjoy coaching tournament a bit more because there's more intangibles there. But everyone always wants to talk about the last hand. (laughs) And uh, should I have? And as in poker, it's always it depends. Uh, Well, you were eight. You had eight big blinds left. You middle pair and the guy pushed and yeah maybe you should have you know should i have done that well yeah probably but that's not the important thing it's like why did you only have eight big blinds so i want to know what you did in the first three hours of the tournament while you're sitting around waiting for cards exactly Uh, that's not what i want you to do i want you to be accumulating chips therefore when that guy pushes on you you have him covered so now you can either fold or call with a sense of security or maybe they don't push because you've got the bigger chip stack too. So, you know, it changes their, their mentality against you as well. Yeah. I think that's called the whole paradigm is different. The whole everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, talking, you know, kind of about that training part about it, we, we talked a little bit earlier about a conversation that you and one of your students had about what their M should be in a tournament. Uh, And I want you to talk a little bit about that. So explain what the M means okay um for simplicity's sakes a lot of books are using how many big blinds they have and they talk about that on youtube and stuff he was 20 big blinds deep um your m and that's from harrington and for any of your listeners you know harrington's three books and his most modern poker tournament book are probably they probably cover everything you might want to know and there's other good stuff out there but you know harrington is pretty deep and he talks about your m and that's how much it costs you to make it around the table so for example if you have 100 200 with 200 on the big blind that's 500 yeah so some people would talk in terms of 200 is the big blind i've got 10 big so i've got 2000 in chips and your m you might say you have 10 bigs but your m is really only a four right so you're in the you're in the danger zone because it costs you 500 chips to make it around the table. So it's taking the bigger picture rather than just big blinds. It's taking the bigger picture. What are the big blind, small blind, and antes? Right. Gotcha. And back to one other thing. Back to that old. It depends. I think it's missed in a lot of uh, tournament discussion. What's the situation? Are we in? Are, are blinds going up in twenty minutes? In thirty minutes? Is it a WSOP two hour event? You know how fast are these blinds moving up? Might dictate whether or not you want to go for it. Sure. 
Yeah, makes a lot of sense. But let me just kind of back up a little bit because sure. obviously poker coaching, it's, I mean, it's something you, you have a passion for. I remember the very first conversation that you and I had, you were already in coaching mode, trying to coach me on a few things a little bit. So that's something that you're obviously passionate about. Tell me a little bit more. If, you're, if your listeners could see me, I have a big smile <laughs> on my face. So I'm sort of embarrassed. It's kind of like, uh, hi, Joe. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Oh, by the way, uh, when you were talking about those pocket fives, you were wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> but it's good. But uh, tell me a little bit more about how you got into coaching. And then I want the people to know how they can get in touch with you as a coach. When I got into coaching, it was completely self-interest because during the internet boom, there was affiliate revenues. So I was signing up people in the casino and they'd lose their money online. Okay. And I realized if I was going to make money on affiliate revenues, I had to teach them to win. So I had a constant stream of people coming over to my house. And for better or for worse, I was too dumb to like figure out an advertising scheme to, you know, get a hundred thousand affiliates. I built my affiliate program one by one. Okay. And I would actually literally go into the casino, grab somebody by the elbow and bring them back to my house and teach them how to play poker and sign them up on party poker or wherever it was. And that became a whole thing where if they were playing, I was making money while I was sleeping. Yeah. So I became a coach out of total self-interest for my own pocketbook. <laughs> so that's really how it all happened. Then the next thing that happened was I wrote Pima Community College a, a letter and told them they should have a, a poker class in their personal interest section. And yes, they hired me and that was a great gig for years. And I met some great friends and the folks that went through that class were not necessarily poker players, but they became pokerholics. And we just sort of made it, became a tribe. It was a lot of fun. So coaching became a passion. Yeah. I didn't say, hey, you know, I want to be a poker coach. It just sort of fell into place. Yeah. I mean, that's how a lot of things happen in life, right? You just kind of fall into it and realize this is, I kind of like this gig. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then in, in, in the classroom setting, I realized that I love being behind that whiteboard. And there's a projector. I'd even play online. I'd play, I would actually get online and play on the projector sometimes at the end of class when class was over, if people wanted to hang around. And that was a blast. Next thing you know, is the security guard is in there watching and, <laughs> you know, and you're, you're in a classroom at nine o'clock at night. Next thing you know, it's 11 o'clock at night and nobody's moved. It's like, you know, <laughs> you know, nobody can believe I'm actually playing. For they're watching me, you know, in one case, you know, I was up like, you know, several thousand dollars. I think I was playing multi-table. Uh, I can't remember if it was two five or maybe it was limit. Back then we used to play limit. Uh, it might, might have been a five ten limit, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. Well, you know, if somebody's looking for some coaching and, and they want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, they can go through you sure. or me. I'm at, you know, you can always find me at AntiUp online and and look at my columns. Just search Bremen. Actually, if you just look up Bremen Poker in a Google search, you'll see columns I've written on AntiUp. And at the bottom of every column is my email, which is my last name, first name, at gmail.com, bremitmark at gmail.com. Okay. But yeah, I really do plug leaks and it doesn't hurt to reach out because I do not, I don't bite. And uh, <laughs> really, I'm always getting scolded that I'm not charging enough. I really don't charge a lot. Right. But if somebody jumps into my stable over the course of a year and they're an active player, we'll have shared a thousand hands. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of learning. And it's a lot of leveling up. Sure. 
Well, yeah. So if you're in the market, you, you want to improve your game, then reach out to Mark. Is there anything else you wanted to add there, Mark? Well, no, but, but just thank you. I didn't expect a plug today, <laughs> but I'm delighted to be here. Of course. And I'm glad to have you on the show. And we'll talk again because I would like to keep this segment going and talk a little more strategy as weeks go on. So we'll be reaching out and talking again. How's that? Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks, Mark. All right. Bye-bye. It's time for Joe's One Outer. Streaks. They are very real. The Tampa Bay Rays tied the modern day record with their 13th straight win to start the season. And who knows how far that streak will go. But later in the season, inevitably, they will hit a spot where they have a losing streak. It may not go as long. In fact, it probably won't. But it could. In poker, wins and losses tend to come in streaks as well. But what's the reason for streaks? Is it completely psychological? I mean, it makes sense, right? When you win, you continue to think clearly and play well. You forget the occasional bad beat and don't let it bother you. But when a loss affects you emotionally, you stop thinking as clearly and you begin to make mistakes and lose more. Statistically, there is absolutely no basis for win-loss streaks. But because humans are emotional creatures and not machines, win-loss streaks are very real. So how do you lose the losing streak or keep the winning streak from fading? First of all, stop chasing the money. Minimize your losses. Throwing money at a losing streak would be like treating the pain in your finger by stubbing your toe. The most likely outcome is that you have a hurt finger and toe. Step away, come back tomorrow or next week or next month. Who knows? Your winning streak might just be there when you get back. Also, remember it's not the player's fault, and it's even less the dealer's fault. Sure, that kid who hit runner-runner made a bad call, and unfortunately for you, his bad call turned into a winning hand. Call it luck, call it fate, whatever. Chance happens. Sometimes it's heads, sometimes it's tails. But don't let your past victories be wiped out by a losing streak. You've won before. Maybe even a big win. Maybe even a few wins in a row. Why should you ignore that? Maybe it was luck, maybe it was skill, but in all cases, your winnings are real. When we lose, we will spend hours, maybe even days, thinking about this hand or that hand, running calculations on how bad we played or how bad the call actually was from that kid from earlier's runner-runner hand. So why don't we spend the same amount of time looking for reasons for our winnings? We should spend more time patting ourselves on the back, not in a narcissistic way, but in recognition that you have succeeded in the past. That makes it easier to realize that you will succeed again. A winning and losing streak is just that, a streak. Don't dwell on either too long. And by the way, Stop telling everybody who will listen about it. Nobody really cares. They're just being nice. If nothing else, think about your significant other. They have had to hear you tell the same story 89 times already. Trust me, they will love you even more if you just stop talking about it. That's today's One Outer, and that's today's show. See you next week, A-Team, and until then, I'll see you at the tables. The Any Up Podcast is a production of AnyUpMagazine.com. 
contact the show at podcasts at anyupmagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at anyupmagazine.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.